Hey everybody, in this episode of the Riverdale After Show, we're breaking down Season 4, Episode 4, Chapter 62, Witness for the Prosecution. Oh boy, this is an episode. We've got Betty finding out that she's got a killer in her jeans, Jughead embraces his preppiness, Veronica tries to save her mother, and Archie becomes a vigilante. Let's break it down next. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz uh oh, uh oh, Archie's wearing a mask at night, taking round tire, iron, beating up bad guys right now in Riverdale. Hey everybody, welcome to the Riverdale After Show, breaking it. Hold on, that's my sweet jams that I lead into to every every after show here. So I mean, I'm going to be doing a compilation, put it out on a CD, and then also go on a tour. I'll post those dates up later on my Twitter feed there so you can check that out but folks welcome to the riverdale after show breaking down all the craziness that's happening on riverdale it airs wednesday nights on the cw i am frank moran and once again it is just me in the studio but don't worry i've also got my my reliable trusty partner in arms here we've got ryan in the booth that's me how we doing frank oh so much better knowing that you're here for me. So much better. I, I'm just really <laughs> excited to talk about this this crazy episode. Oh, it's uh, a lot of bonkers stuff happened we here. We had some uh, some murder genes. Yes, you know so. you know that is. I'm sure you've uh, anytime you get blood work, you've got yourself tested for serial killer genes. That's right. I always get tested for serial killer genes. In fact, the person who knows the most about serial killer genes is the person. Uh, they're, they're coming right next to me, but um, we'll introduce them later. Ooh, I can't wait to find out. Look at that. that that's what we call them the biz of teas, right there. Uh, but folks, you know, like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel. The chat is up and running. Hop in there, share your thoughts about anything that happened in this episode that we're going to be talking about, or anything just Riverdale related that you just want to get off your chest. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll dive into the show and uh, you know talk about you know some of the finer moments there, and you know we will kick it off with the serial killer genes. Let's just dive right into Betty Cooper's story here. Yes, boom. So she decides to take Charles up on her offer to become uh, to join the junior FBI program. And, you know, taking an extra class is no fun if you're doing it by yourself. So why not reach out to your best friend, Kevin, and have him join as well, too? Which is nice that they're trying to at least, uh, you know, they seem to that Kevin and Betty have mended fences, given what happened over the, uh, towards the end of last season, as well as over the summer in the first episode here, where Kevin's alliances weren't quite sure. But now it looks like they've, now that the farm is out of the picture, uh, we've got Betty and Kevin trying to reclaim their friendship. So Kevin says, yeah, hey, I got nothing else going on. I will join this junior FBI after school program also because your your half-brother, incredibly hot. So, uh, and nobody knows what his deal is. Is he gay? Is he straight? Uh, it, that becomes a, a topic of conversation out of the, the episode is that, yeah, Betty's realizing that I don't know much about my own brother here. What's going on here? So, uh, but in the meantime, as they're going to uh, start these junior FBI classes, Charles, like any good teacher, throws them right into the deep end, and that is, let's talk about serial killers. And Betty has got a knack for spotting a serial killer. Uh, Ryan, I mean, 
you know, you've got an eagle eye. That's one of the things that everybody talks about. Yes, you, here an, an eagle eye. Yeah, an eagle eye. Yeah, that's uh, true. I am a, a bit of an Eagles fan myself. That's right. See, so they do call me Eagle Eye here. Uh, you know, I mean, you can spot when some a fishy looking person. Oh, I can spot a fishy looking person from a mile away. They used <laughs> they used to call me Eagle Eye in uh, in high school. Yeah, uh, you know, so I think you would have no problem identifying a serial killer. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I see them every day on my drive to work. In fact, uh, they're just in—they're in neighboring cars that are passing by. Well, uh, boy, you—you uh, <laughs> you might be going a little, little broader than we think. I think, uh, or, or else you're, you're living in quite a uh, intense area of just a lot of weird social depravity. So that's right, Van Nuys is nuts. <laughs> so uh, Betty then realizes, holy cow. All these serial killers, what they've got in common is the serial killer gene. So she does confirm with a doctor that she does indeed have those. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this episode, Betty kind of went off the deep end. Uh, you know, she realized that she had repressed a memory of killing our, her, her childhood cat, which we later find out as Betty reveals more about the memory. So that it wasn't just her grabbing the cat and then killing it. It was her, uh, the cat being injured by uh, getting hit by a car was in pain and was dying. And as Betty went to go get her father for help, Betty's dad says, you know what, this is your cat. We've got to kill it. And gives her a rock and makes her smash the, the cat and kill it. Me, ow. Yeah, nicely done. So, uh, and I think Kevin's right when he says, you know what, uh, Betty, this wasn't you uh, exploring some kind of... Uh, you know, the depths of your soul and how it felt to take a life. Uh, your father put you in this crazy position to kill your childhood pet. So I get a little tired of Betty just really like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm a serial killer. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, especially because it's one animal that this happened to. She had never done anything else like that again. And as she keeps on telling Kevin, huh, you know, I'm killing animals. You did one. And... That was because your your weirdo father, Hal, gave you that rock and kind of pushed you into doing this. So ease up on doing that. Uh, the other thing that Charles shows him is that uh, serial killers, if you look, they do like a lot of writing, journals. They write as if they're the hero of the story. And Betty's seeing examples of these uh, these journals from serial killers and all of a sudden starts freaking out and then goes back to her house and looks through a lot of her journals. And what we're seeing is a lot of pictures of like drawings of people like with uh, decapitated uh, head, bodies or severed limbs. Uh, we're seeing those kind of like those scribblings of of people that are kind of deranged. And when Betty looks through all her books, I was expecting to see a cutaway shot of, yep, Betty indeed has drawings in her journals of bodies being dismembered. No, we never see anything like that at all. She just flips through the books and then puts them away. I mean, she looks exasperated, but we don't see anything in there. So, again, I also feel like Betty is, you know, jumping a little bit too far. She may have the genes, but by no means is that some sort of uh, predetermination that you're going to become a serial killer. You're, you're better than your genes, right, Ryan? Right. I completely agree. You're always better than your genes. It's nature versus nurture. Half, yes. half of it is your genes. The other half, you make for yourself. You make your own luck. You make your own genes. There you go. Uh, you know, like John Counter said, said it best. There's no fate except for what we make for ourselves. Yep. Yeah, we're the resistance. <laughs> that, uh, that sage John Counter. So, 
By the end of it, though, Betty realizes, hey, uh, Charles has just told me that he's got the serial killer genes, too. And that makes me realize I really don't know anything about, about my own half-brother. He kind of just blew into town, was helping my uh, – had it conscripted my mom to help out in this whole farm debacle. But is now staying in town afterwards under the pretense of helping FP with some police cases. But otherwise, all she knows is that, hey, he is in the FBI office. Um, he's uh, at Pop's Chocolate Shop. And he's wherever he lives. So Betty is starting to investigate what's going on with Charles. And all we know for sure is that at least he's listening in on our conversations. Whether that means he's a creepo or not remains to be seen. We'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're listening into somebody's conversation, does that automatically make you a creepo, Ryan? I think if you're listening into someone's conversation, uh, well, there's a great film about this that I won't. I'll plug right now. It's called Three Colors Red. Mm, okay. It's a uh, foreign film. And they do bring up this question. I think it is a little weird. However, there are special cases where it might be all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, just off the top of your head, what is one special situation? Well, I'm going to take the example from this film. Okay. Um, it is like a 65-year-old man. Uh, kids have grown up. His partner has passed away. And he's kind of just sitting at home. He's retired, and uh, he's got nothing better to do. So what he does is he spies on his neighbors, and he taps into their phone calls, and he hears what they're talking about on the phone at all times. So he knows all the dirty secrets. He knows what the what his neighbors' wives are hiding from the neighbor husbands, what the kids are hiding from the parents, and he doesn't do anything about it. He just listens, and it's his entertainment. And, you know, it is really creepy, but it's also a little innocent. I mean, because does he act on any of that? Um, at one point he does. Oh, all right. Uh, and that's <laughs> and that's where the film comes in. Oh, gotcha. But it was to save a life. Oh, well, see, there you go. I mean, it may seem creepy, but the the ends justify the means, right? They, yep. If sure. the ends justify the means. Yeah. There you go. It makes sense. <laughs> now, Betty's uh, beau, her boyfriend, Jughead, is still dealing with some of the shenanigans happening over at Stonewall Prep. Uh, but this episode is interesting because we do learn a little bit more about Jughead as a as a kid and as a as a child and still to this day he remains a huge fan of a uh, series of childhood novels called The Baxter Boys, which essentially is just the Hardy Boys uh, that we know. But uh, the Riverdale version of that is the Baxter Boys, uh, even going so far as uh, Nancy Drew, which is of course another show on CW that actually airs after. Riverdale, uh, their version of Nancy Drew in the Riverdale universe that hangs out with the Baxter brothers is Tracy True. Uh, so that was kind of, kind of a cool nod to the Hall Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew and Mythos uh, to kind of incorporate that into Riverdale. But the whole reason this comes into play is that uh, we find out that Mr. Chitting, Jughead's teacher, is has ghostwritten a new Baxter Boys novel. And they uh, they have a little reception to kind of celebrate the release of the new book. And then they also bring in the first writer ever on the Baxter Boys, uh, who then passed down the torch to another ghost writer and so on and so on and so on until it wants to Mr. Chitting. He has come now and under the uh, to find, I should say, the, the next person that's going to be the ghost writer of the Baxter Boys series. And when Jughead finds out that this is a possibility, that in fact all writers – of the Baxter Boy novels have come from Stonewall Prep. You couldn't, I mean, uh, Jughead, huge smile on his face. I mean, this would be the ultimate, ultimate dream 
you know, you already love to write. And then if you have an opportunity to write something that you have loved reading since you were a kid, that uh, seems like a, uh, a match made in heaven. But of course, uh, uh, Brett, you know, who already uh, has dismissed uh, the, you know, crime genre, especially like young adult crime genre, as, you know, just like, oh, this is trivial stuff. Who cares about it? But when he finds out that there's uh, some competition with some, uh, some award, you know, to at least, uh, you know, how, I mean, I guess you can become a published author. So that, that's fantastic. But uh, if you don't have an interest in that genre, but you only want it because you need to, to win anything that comes across your path, that feels like Brett's motivation. It's like, oh, it's something that you can win. You can be first at. You could be the best at. Well, then, of course, even I don't care about it. But I will sign up for it just because I will prove to everybody that I'm the best. So far, what we've seen for Brett, it doesn't turn out that way for Brett. <laughs> he often gets shown up, whether it's uh, Jughead or any of the other members of his little uh, school class. We so, got a lot of people in the chat, Frank. Late Army chat. queuing into what you're saying. We got Jazzy, Jazzy Jones saying, interesting that Jughead's grandpa was one of the writers and was the one who sent him the books. Also, Cheryl's third sibling, Julianne, is from the comics, and it's comics, and it's a comic that has to do with the Antichrist, and that's hoping that leads to some Sabrina crossover. Potentially, that's a little off topic, <laughs> but one can dream of a Sabrina crossover with Riverdale. Yeah, I mean, that's always been talked about, and uh, I know uh, uh, the EP, Roberto, uh, has said that there's going to be at least some closer ties between the two this season. I, I don't I don't know if we'll ever actually get to see them crossover, which I feel like at this point, you know, I mean, Riverdale's four seasons in, it's most likely going to get a fifth season. It's already kind of established its own sort of tone. I mean, it's it's a nice thing that, yeah, for sure, sure, if Sabrina was on the CW, yes, we would have already crossed over. It would have been kind of interwoven together. But now that it's on Netflix and uh, CW, I think it's nice to them to have just some kind of little nods, maybe Easter eggs that kind of reflect on each other's shows, but... I don't think we're ever going to get that kind of crossover in the way that fans would want. Right. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't mean that you can't just still enjoy the shows. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we yes. So we get to see uh, Jughead wanting to, uh, to do this. But, of course, Brett likes to push his buttons and say that, hey, you know what? No, but nobody ever here that's on the admissions board has read any of your writing. You're, you didn't get in here because you're writing. You came in here because you're just uh, a number. You're filling a, you know, a... a, a a seat. You're just somebody that you know, is an underprivileged person that they're extending a courtesy to to give that uh, that poor person a shot at this Stonewall prep. You're and you're not going to amount to anything. So Jughead, of course, doesn't take that very well. He's doing a poor job of letting uh, of letting Brett get to him. Brett knows what button to push with Jughead, and he keeps doing it, and Jughead keeps falling for it. But it seems by the end of this episode, after talking to FP and realizing, all right, you. You may not like your 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 father, my grandfather, uh, but you still want me to finish school. You wanted me to do something that neither uh, FP or their grandfather, Forsythe the first, had done, which is finish high school. So FP is adamant that you know you got to finish this, you got to do this. And what seals the deal, though, is that uh, once FP says, "Jughead, your grandfather gave you all these Baxter Boys books," he is looking through one of them and he sees, which is great, off of the old. Uh, for a good old crime novel is some uh, indentations on one of the pages uh, that has been uh, that's underneath one that's been ripped out. So you can do the great classic scene, and I know you've done this a lot, Ryan, where you just take a pencil and you just color in on that sheet of paper 
to, to bring the to bring to light whatever is written on that page. Yeah, you, know, you got to discover that little that secret clue. Just guys, put it. There's nothing more frightening than the blank page. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. I mean, it's sometimes it, it's just you and that page, and you're staring at each other, and, and sometimes I just fill it in. Just because I get so scared, I just go to the next page. Yeah, you just got to write something. Just get it out of you. Get it out. You got to get that fear out. The hardest thing is Doodle. starting. Yes, do what you ever want. You know, write, write a nurse. You know, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And just type that over and over. Even and with over. the spelling errors. Just yes. Keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> Don't stop. Uh, but Jughead finds an inspirational uh, message from his grandfather that had been torn out of the book, saying, "Hey, yeah, you you, you can do it. Uh, don't don't trust." Uh, Trust few. Don't let them take anything from you. And so Jughead says, all right, I'm going to go for this, and I'm going to win it. And by the way, don't call me Jughead anymore. Just call me Forsyth Third. I'm going with that. It's All right, Ryan, as a lover of names, right? Jughead or Forsyth? Forsyth. Mm, I think Forsyth because it's almost awful with just being Forsyth, and then you're just like, oh, that's just a word. Jugheads, I feel a little overdone. It's a, uh, it's the go-to name for maybe a bomb. It's, I think it's also a candy, and that's warheads. Uh, yeah, mm, I'm going with Forsyth. Really? Interesting. Yeah, because it's just a little weird, and that's me. Uh, now, if he constantly referred to himself as Forsyth the Third, which since he's the third person carrying that name, uh, I feel like that that ruins it. it. That ruins it. Uh, call me Forsyth the Third. Yeah, after two times. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, Ryan, when you have a mm-hmm. child, will you name? And it's a boy. Will you, I assume you're going to be I passing love your the name when, when you, when you have yes. it. <laughs> I, when you know, I mean, I think it's about nine months from now when your schedule. baby comes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, will you pass down your name to your child? You know, if, oddly enough, uh, and this might be a big reveal. I think so. But um, my name isn't Ryan. Woof. It's John. My middle name's Ryan. And Afterbuzz TV exclusive. Know, exclusive. Breaking news <laughs> right now. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's because that's what my my parents wanted to do that with my grandfather's name because his name's John. But uh, it was going to be my middle name. It just didn't, They said it didn't sound good. So they were like, let's make that your first name, and then we'll confuse everyone you ever meet and tell them you go by your middle name. But, no, I don't know if I would name them Ryan. Yeah. I think it's a joint decision with the partner, right? I think uh, – Unless that's a name that's been carried down your family for years, like Henry V. Right. Or King George. Or any, any yes. of the, uh, the British royalty, <laughs> quite frankly. I think then, then if it's something really special like that, then yeah, I think I'd consider it. However, I think it has to, you have to agree with uh, your partner on that. You know, I, uh, you were sharing about our past. And I'll take a second just to open share up, mine. Frank. I'm going to open up right here because I can trust it. It's just me, you, and all these delightful Riverdale after show viewers. That's right. I so, got to set the mood. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, we're in the trust tree. We can do this. Uh, so I am indeed a junior myself. Really? Yes. Named after my father. And I have always resented that. <laughs> always. It's, uh, you know, Frank Moran Jr. Ugh, it's disheartening. It's disheartening. I, I hate it. <laughs> I hated it because uh, people would have to call me Frankie or oh. they call me Frank Jr. to be able to differentiate if they're calling to me or to my dad. Junior. Oh, and it's, I hate the name Frank as it is. It's not a great name. It's my grandfather's name. Oh, yeah, but it's just like anytime you hear the word Frank, I think of uh, from the old show MASH. 
Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, the Frank who was played by what Larry Lindell on there. Frank Burns. Oh, I was thinking when he was just a Weasley dude. So it's like, I've never been a huge fan. And it's like, my dad, you know, nice enough guy, but he's like, I don't know what made him think, like, yep, yeah, you know, this name is so important. It needs to be passed down. Sounds like a Frank. No. Frankie? I mean, they, they were going to, uh, the original thing, going to call me Scotty. And really? Then, then my dad said, pulled an audible at the last second and said, I'm going to name him after me. Aww. That's disappointing, guys. Oh. Disappointing. Yikes. Don't, as somebody who's experienced it, don't pass down. Your but name. with Riverdale, so they're passing it, they're considering it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Jughead. I mean, it's Forsyth the fourth, so uh, he's Forsyth the third. Fourth Scythe. Yeah, so I mean, when you if you're gonna, Jughead has a child, I, I I feel like he's gonna pass it down again. He's gonna be Forsyth the fourth. Oof, that doesn't sound yeah. pleasant at all. Uh, we got a um, um, we got some more chitter oh. from the chat. Yes, <laughs> that sound? is that right? Uh, so yeah. we have people saying, you know, she is fourth. Saya, um, they they agree. They think you know sometimes it's a little annoying if you're just passing down the name. Uh, it seems like we have a split chat. Um, some people don't think they will do that. Uh, they're going to be the th- uh, external shockwave says I was going to be a third, but my mom refused, so I'm special. You are special. <laughs> yes, you are special. Extreme. Props to your mom, external shockwave. Yes, yes. Um, Jelly Bean is forced. Forsyth Ryan, yes, okay. Well, my middle name is pretty normal since it's Ashton. We have a lot of name uh, sharing in the chat, so you know, just comment your uh, your middle name, or if you're a, a second or a third or a fourth, and if you the one who has the biggest number wins. So. That's true. Yes, if we get somebody that's like like an eight, oh, oh man, oh an eighth. Wow, yes. that's from like Middle Ages <laughs> to now. Then. Wow. Uh, oh, what an honor, though. Uh, a, a permanent. Uh, you know, I, you're like in the Mount Rushmore of Riverdale After Show fans right there. Mm-hmm. Consider that. Uh, and there's only four slots on that. So you can see how rarefied that is. You, I mean, you give us a big number of, of your generational name, you're going right there on top. Squad. <laughs> Mount Rushmore squad. That's right. If you get that name. Uh, so we've got uh, our boy. Let's, can we take a second to talk about Archie Andrews? Ryan, mm. i got to get real about Archie Andrews. Let me pull the photo. Look at him. Okay. <laughs> so, so handsome. I mean, he's trying to do right. Now, remember, we're this is the fourth episode this season. First episode was a nice standalone episode that really dealt with the ramifications of Fred Andrews' death, how that was affecting Archie, and how Archie wanted to change the way that he was living his life to do better, not only for in honor of for himself, but also in honor of his dad and also for the, the town that he loved. Which was is Riverdale, so he wanted wants to make a change. We've seen over the course of this season where he's decided to really take the the boxing rink that he has now turned it into community center. Start doing uh, activities to keep the children there late so they don't get wrangled up with any of the ne'er do wells uh, that are working for Dodger. Start having them run scams throughout Riverdale, doing crimes, robbing people, what have you. So. God knows what. God knows what. What's going on there? So, I mean, it started off in just a nice kind of very solid, relatable place. Like, hey, I want to do better. I want to do better in the memory of my father. I want to make this town that he loved a better place. And now we have him in this episode. Uh, He's become a crime fighter, a nighttime vigilante. He's wearing a mask, and he's going out, and he's on patrol in the bad section of town around the community center, and he's trying to stop people that are trying to commit crimes. Not safe, Frank. Not not safe and not very smart. 
Not very smart. I mean, he's going so far as to do the Christian Bale thing where he's, you know, speaking a little deeper tone. Yeah. So you won't know that it's Archie Andrews underneath here. I'll speak deeper. Archie. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, that's not great, Frank. I don't think that's a smart move on his part. It's a little dangerous. It's just, <laughs> I guess, I mean... What is going on now? Uh, I, you came from such a relatable place, a relatable place at the beginning of the season. A son missing his father, wanting to do better, and now you have him. By the fourth episode, he's wearing a mask and he's going out trying to stop crimes. Come on, guys! I mean, that's what Batman did after he lost his parents. <laughs> that's true. Except I mean, his mom was named Martha. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know that name? Why did you say that name? <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's just Archie is never filled with good ideas. And for right now, he hasn't gotten himself in a situation. <laughs> Whoops. Arthur? Whoa. Yes. He, Whoa. Has, <laughs> he, he hasn't gotten himself in a situation where he's gotten, uh, he's been on the short end of the stick in terms of any of these confrontations. But I feel like that time is coming. He's pushing Dodger, and we see him doing it again this episode. He confronts Dodger, threatens him. While Dodger goes to grab his gun, Archie pulls a Batman and he disappears. Uh, so you turn around, you turn back, and boom, he's gone. Uh, I feel like it's only a matter of time before he's going to be set up to where he's thinking he's stopping one bad guy and realizing that, oh, wait, this is a jump situation. There's like 10 guys waiting for me here. And then a beatdown's going to happen on Archie. So, uh, wow. yeah, I feel like, I mean, that's that, that seems to be where this is going. I mean, we've already seen Dodger say, you're not going to stop me. I've got the manpower. I, he's like I've also he's like I've also got the people, where he's not like a man of the people. Dodger is basically extorting these people, so he doesn't really have the people. He's extorting the people. So I don't know if that's necessarily the same thing as having the hearts and souls of your constituents. I don't know. You're just you're you know you're rolling them over for money for protection, and so that's how you make you think that you, these people are going to follow you blindly because of that. Uh, Ryan, yeah. You're going to become a vigilante, right? Um, I'm thinking about it. I think uh, there there are times where I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm kind of sizing up like where I put the mask. Would I go full mask? Would I just do like nose up, like around the eyes? Kind of a little domino mask kind of thing? domino. Or maybe like I was going to do Rorschach, but now in the new Watchmen, that's like not a good mask to wear. No, no, so no. that's gone. Uh but, uh, yeah, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I know no capes from The Incredibles. Yes. Um, that's the one thing they taught me. Uh, Steven, Steven's a vigilante himself, I think, uh, in the background here. Uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, gonna... I, I, I thought about it. I thought about it. I think my superpower, though, is making sure we have the best Riverdale after show we got. <laughs> you know, and that's that's why you're the hero you're the hero we need the right hero now. we need not the hero you deserve <laughs> no, but the hero, hero you need that's and right. i think i think a lot of people in the chat are also thinking oh my goodness people are going off in the chat right now uh, about archie and saying he's wonder dunce <laughs> that's a great name yeah it is uh, I, go ahead Ryan. you know you can keep going uh, i guess archie learned nothing from the red circle debacle um, uh, Archie isn't trying to be like Batman or any other superhero. Uh, if anything, he wants to protect the youth center he worked hard on. You know, interesting points. Um, and a f- oh, my goodness, uh, I love Archie's for standing up for the kids after the community center. So I think a lot of people are in support of his vigilanteism. I just don't know if, uh, again, it's the safest thing to do. Sometimes a cool thing to do is not the safest thing to do. Yeah, you know, because Archie 
uh, is visited by FP, who says, hey, I'm getting a lot of complaints from people uh, saying that, uh, you know, your, your, your public urination, graffiti, things like that. And uh, Archie's like, hey, I can guarantee you they're not doing stuff like this. And FP's advice is, hey, you know what you should do is have a clam bake, you know, <laughs> which I've never been to a clam bake. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to go to a clam bake. Uh, if somebody invited me one, I think I may come up with an excuse not to attend. Right. But uh, the idea is to bring everybody in, let uh, talk to them, let them get to know you. If they know you, they're more inclined to help. So Archie invites everybody over. And it's not – I feel like this is the <laughs> – the worst execution of FP's idea. Idea. Some of the media is there as well, and it's just some of the people of the, the town. And it's it's really odd. It's separated. They're up on like a on a balcony, or at least up, up on a landing, while Archie is down lower with Reggie and uh, a Mad Dog talking to them. And Archie really just says like, "Hey, this is what it is, and this is what it's going to be like. And if you don't like it, just get out of my way." It. I don't think this is the best way to. Uh, ingratiate yourself with the people around you. He just, he was so tactless in this presentation. Like, what part of a clan bake is it you just, you know, having you people that you're inviting, trying to get to know better, have them get to know you better, just kind of stand up and away at a distance and just say, this is what it's going to be like now, guys. Cool. And if you don't like it, you know, go pound rocks. <laughs> so I was like, come on, Archie. After he was saying like, hey, Bring them in. You, you maybe have a little cookout, food, fun, drinks. You're chatting with people. You're you're just you know just relating on an everyday human level instead of just like nope, you guys don't like this, and I'm trying to do something, and if you don't like it, then you know kick bricks. I don't know. So <laughs> kick bricks, kick bricks, yeah, kick bricks, pound sand. I think that's uh, what the kids say, pound sand, pound sand. So yeah, once again, Archie. I mean, his heart's in the right place, but he just, he does it so poorly. And I don't know why he feels the need that he has to do this alone. I've got to be the nighttime vigilante. You know, he doesn't talk to Mad Dog, doesn't talk to Reggie. I, I mean, you know, I don't know how, how invested Reggie is in the community center per se. I mean, Reggie and, and he are, are friends. I don't know if Reggie cares enough to like, hey, I'll put myself on the line here as well to help out this community center. But regardless, it's all going to blow up in Archie's face, and it's just a matter of time. So I uh, get ready for that, folks. And you know what? The one thing that's never going to blow up in, the, uh, in our faces, folks, is how awesome you are and how committed you are to watching all these fantastic shows here at AfterBuzz. It's not just a Riverdale After Show, though I love that you want to spend your Wednesday night here with me breaking down this episode. You want to hang out and, and, and hear Ryan's stories about his vigilante ways, his past, all these cool th- adventures and misadventures that he's been on. But you watch all these great shows. And we can't thank you enough for that. It gives us an opportunity and a platform to talk about the shows we love with the people who love those shows as well. But we're also asking for a little bit of help, too. So whenever you get a chance, if you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give it a thumbs up while you're there, or give us a uh, five-star rating on iTunes. But no matter where you're, where you're getting involved, where you're commenting, just get involved in the conversation like you're doing tonight here on the chat. So again, folks, thank you so much for taking time out of your day slash night to, to listen or uh, watch one of these shows and helping us become the ESPN of TV talk. There you go. Bon appetit. Uh, so, uh, rounding out our core four story, uh, four, core four characters, we've got Veronica. Mm. Yes. Uh, Veronica has got uh, dual court dates, both for mom and dad, and uh, trying to see if uh, she wants to keep Hiram in jail while getting Hermione, her mom, out of jail. 
and uh, comes to realize through the course of the episode, uh, it's not going to be as easy to do either of those. Uh, because we find out that Hiram has hired a private investigator, and not just any private investigator. We find out at the end of the episode, it's his daughter. That's right, Veronica's sister, which I'm assuming half-sister, since a, uh, I, we've never heard mention of her before. I feel like we would have if it would have been a child with Hiram and Hermione. So uh, Hiram has a, has a daughter from someone else that's been out in the world that has now come up from Miami, and she's a fixer. I should say private investigator slash fixer. And Hiram had a problem. He wanted to make sure that he got out of jail. He got acquitted for these crimes. So he called up uh, her daughter, uh, Hermosa. Uh, <laughs> Hermosa. I don't know if that's a great name. Hermosa. Eh, all right. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to think of Hermosa Beach. I'm like, okay. Uh, Hermosa Beach is coming to, uh, to get me out of jail. But uh, she is. She's wire. Uh, she bugs all these establishments, including Le Bon Nui, and gets to hear all these conversations that Betty has had with the federal, uh, the FBI, the federal prosecutor, and realizes that hey, uh, you've cooked the books. Your Hiram was not lying about that when you said that you cooked the books to frame him for these crimes. They couldn't get any concrete proof on Hiram, so. Veronica had to make that proof, and that's how the FBI was able to actually make that conviction. So, or that arrest, I should say. So, uh, she says, "Hey, guess what? You know, uh, it's busted, and it's not going to happen. Hiram's going to get free." So, by the end of the episode, Hiram is free, and Hermione, uh, as we find out, if she decides to keep pleading not guilty, more and more of her past is going to get uncovered. Things that uh, crimes that have happened that they haven't even. Been, gone on anybody's radar yet so the more she keeps saying that she's not guilty the more people are going to be inclined to be digging in and perhaps uncovering all these other misdeeds which to a, to that point nobody even knows about so the plan is all right hermione just changes her plea says i'm guilty and then veronica will use the last bit of juice that she has with the governor to immediately get her pardoned and that works at least in that in this episode so hermione is free she's been pardoned by the governor and Hiram is now free, and he's, his plan is to run for mayor, which I – Ryan, how inclined would you to be to vote somebody? If somebody just got out, they, mm-hmm. they've been acquitted for the, uh, the, the charges. The crime has been in charge to them. Right. They're coming out, I'm acquitted, but you know what? I'm going to run for mayor. You know. Would you be inclined to vote for that person? If someone had just got out of jail yes, and they're running for mayor, would I vote for them? And they say they've been acquitted of their crimes. So charges have been dropped. He is a free person. Would you would you vote for him? Or would you feel like, okay, you may have got away with this, but you still are a shady guy? Well, you know, Frank, I'm glad you brought this up. Because the first thing I'll say is, okay. you know, my number one thing in a candidate is the policies. And if I agree with the policies, then everything else comes second. So... That's that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, if they got acquitted for their crimes, um, maybe that could – then if I'm following the law, then, the, hey, that, that doesn't impact my decision on whether I would go with them. In fact, it could – if they run a, a campaign on maybe preventing uh, getting arrested for – people getting arrested for crimes that they were – that they did not commit and maybe, like, crapping, cracking down on that, I would be more inclined to vote for them even more. You know, I mean, Hiram is a guy that's, you know, he, he pulled a lot of uh, shady deals to get a bunch of land in Riverdale to build his private prison. And I feel like that that was never a good deal 
for the city. I can't imagine that he really realistically thinks that his chances of, I mean, he's not going to, I guess, I can't believe that he's, he would be elected mayor. But if Hiram says that he's going to run for mayor, he's not going to do that unless he has, if he feels he has a uh, extremely good shot at becoming mayor. He's not going to just say that just to say it. He's only going to say it if he thinks he can make it happen. So I guess we have uh, Mayor Hiram Lodge at some point in our future. <laughs> Ray? That's right, yeah. Hooray. So uh, <laughs> Veronica, not in a good place at the end of this episode. We'll see what happens with uh, Hiram and Hermione now that they're free of their respective prison jails, prison cells. Uh, folks, uh, you know what? We're going to get, uh, uh, we're going to wrap it up here with a little bit of news. After Buzz TV News. And I want to turn your attention to a nice little article written on E! Online, which happens to talk about something that had been kind of intriguing me as I was watching this episode, especially by the end of it, where things started kind of clicking into place. And this is, uh, they have a nice little article that came out today about the Riverdale, uh, called Riverdale Continues to Taunt Us with Jughead's Murder. And what they go into is breaking down uh, what they feel is now going to be the, uh, the arc of this season, which is... We've been now laid, uh, the little breadcrumb has been laid in front of us in this episode that, hey, there's a Baxter Boys uh, ghostwriter position open. And the theme that uh, the five students there at Stonewall Prep are going to be competing for to be to get this ghostwriter deal is how to, uh, the perfect murder. That is the theme. You've got to write the perfect murder. And that is you write the first three chapters as well as a rough outline for how the rest of the book would go. And so speculation from this E-Online article is saying these flash forwards that we've been seeing through uh, starting at the beginning, uh, starting at the end of last season, and then throughout these various episodes up until this one, uh, including this one here at the end, is all these flash forwards are not flash forwards, but are in fact Jughead's novel being displayed on life, uh, being displayed to us, being put to, uh, put to life, so to speak. That we're seeing this perfect murder that Jughead has written, and we're seeing snippets of that book, which is kind of a way for Riverdale to uh, have its cake and eat it too. Have its cake and eat it too. It can set up a tantalizing mystery for the season, but at the end, it's not really Jughead dead. Especially after we saw him on the slab in the morgue last week, uh, it's not really him dead. It is just the story that he's written about committing the perfect murder. So how would you folks feel about if all these flash forwards we've seen aren't really about our real-life flesh and blood Forsyth III being dead, but it is instead just visual representations of the story he's writing to become the ghostwriter of the Baxter Boys series? Whoa. Uh, yeah. So it's an interesting article, and things like that were kind of pl- popping into my head as I was watching this. And I read this article after I saw the episode, and I was like, I, yeah, I am in sync with a lot of what this is saying. I don't know how I feel about this. I'll be curious to see what you folks think there in the chat. Do you think that? Do you think it is as easy as that? That now, uh, and if it is indeed that, does that kind of ruin the rest of the enjoyment for the season? That you're not going to really have many, have much investment in the stakes of these flash forwards because you think like, well, oh, they're just uh, sections of the story that he's writing for this Baxter Boys mystery. Uh, I'm hoping that Riverdale has. Another twist to this as well, because if it's just this, I feel like in season in episode four, if you already know the roadmap for the rest of the season, it's going to be a long season if that's the case. So I'm hoping that they have something else different. Let's hope that they do. Ryan, do you think that's it, or do you think they have another uh, little uh, another card up their sleeve? I think you know any 
stellar <laughs> show like this one has always has some secrets up its sleeves. Uh, you know, to think that we got all these episodes left and there's not going to be any surprises is a little naive, Frank. So I think we're definitely going to get a few surprises down the road, if not within the next couple of weeks before the holiday season fully get, kicks in. Oh, well, that's true. Uh, you know, from uh, Ryan's lips to the Riverdale writer's ears. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Riverdale After Show. Holy cow. Ryan, we've done it again. Once again, we crushed it. And yes. Remember, guys, tweet at the only MC and let them know that the Riverdale After Show sends their regards. And you can follow me at <laughs> Ryan Nilsson underscore. Actually, I think it's at Ryan Nilsson. I changed it. R.Y. Nilsson. Oh, why? On Twitter. No, no John in there at all? No John in there. And okay. also stay tuned. Tomorrow we're starting a Star Wars news show at 4 p.m. on the Popcorn Talk Network. Tune in. Steph Sabra is on it with me. Get out of town. Why am I just hearing about this now, Ryan? Didn't want to throw off the show up top. Had to bring it up. Well, now that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> cool. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, folks, as always, thanks for joining us. Like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And thank you, everybody, for hopping in the chat, external shockwave, and various other folks. Appreciate you taking your time out every Wednesday to join us while we're doing the Riverdale After Show. If you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. That's going to do it for this week, folks. We'll be back here next week with an all-new episode right here on AfterBuzz TV. And me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 